Kim Grinnell of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Washington Huskies take on Oregon State Beavers down at Research Stadium this afternoon and uh, 7.30 kickoff. Oregon State, 4-4. Four and four. A lot of people did not see that coming. It'll be interesting to see how many fans will be at the game. I talked to Angie Machado from Beaver Blitz. She said no matter what, the attendance will be at least 30,000, as it always is. But uh, heading down to Oregon State, playing the same time as the basketball team is playing Baylor. Kind of strange. But uh, Friday. when was the last time we had a Friday night game, Chris? Good question. I don't remember. I just... Well, I think was it, it was Stanford two years ago, maybe. Was it the infamous truck race gate game? Mm, I no, don't think that so. Was years ago. All right. Well, guess what uh, is on the uh, guess what's on the uh, the channel uh, on Fox Sports before the Husky game? Yeah, truck races. I know. Yeah, and and they're and they're contractually obligated to show the trophy presentation after the truck race. So we'll see if that game starts on time on TV. But this is setting up to be a little bit more difficult game um, at this point in time than when we maybe looked at the game earlier in the year, Scott. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about an Oregon State team that um, I kind of went through it uh, this week on in the look at the Pac-12 and everything like that. And how much is Oregon State lamenting their loss to Hawaii earlier this year? They'd be five and uh, five and three right now, and poised to possibly even make a bowl game. And as it is, they have to win two more games. But they've been really good on the road. They've won their last three in conference games on the road. And um, I saw a beat writer last week that picked them to beat Arizona in Arizona. And he said if they were playing at home, he would have picked Arizona because they don't play very well at home. So I think Husky fans and the Huskies have to hope that's the case. Um, This is an explosive offense with um, a really good ground game, and that's been problems for the University of Washington's defense. Hey, Scott, they've got a couple of guys that are definitely NFL guys in Jamar Jefferson and um, um, the White Davis Pierce. Oh, what do you know about Hodgkins? Yeah. yeah, what do you know about what? Do you, or do you remember anything about their recruitment? Are those guys that just kind of slipped under the radar, or did Jonathan Smith and staff just do an outstanding job in developing those guys? Well, I so as far as Hodgkins um, or Hodgins, um, he's a guy that Washington was actually recruiting. They actually offered him, and he tried to commit to the University of Washington, and they uh, pulled back. Um, and one of the problems with him, I don't want to say problems, but one of the things that scouts saw with him was he lacked a lot of toughness. He wasn't very strong. He didn't go up and play like a big receiver did and he wasn't very tough. And so Washington kind of pulled back. He ended up committing to Washington state. And then, um, gosh, I want to say right before the mid-year signing period, he decommitted and signed with Oregon state. So that's kind of his situation. I do not know much about the recruitment of Jamar Jefferson, um, or Artavis Pierce, um, I'd have to go back and look at it because both of those guys can really run the ball. And they, they're downhill runners. They're big. They're fast. They're powerful. They're, they're guys that are going to be a load for Washington's defense to take on. And, Chris, we've both been around Jonathan Smith for a long time, even before he was at Washington. We you know, were dealing with Jonathan, knew Jonathan. He's kind of a laid-back guy, but uber-competitive. Are you a little bit surprised on how – I, I say he's come out of his shell a little bit and really done a nice job down at Oregon State. Well, I don't get the chance to see or be as close to, you know, the inner workings and what they're doing as someone like Angie Machado, for instance. So 
I, I'm not exactly sure how he's different or the same than he was at Washington. I just know that, um, you know, being the offensive coordinator at Washington under Chris Peterson, he just kind of went about his task and, you know, didn't have to do a ton of media uh, when he was in Seattle. So I, I, I just, I get the sense that, you know, being back in Corvallis, being an alum, being a guy who's, you know, been recognized as a household name for a long time down there, I think he probably is really in his element at this point and can just kind of be himself. And I tell you, the more and more successful Oregon State's program is, for instance, I think that's just going to keep feeding into this idea that uh, hiring him was absolutely the right move to make. He's also got, I know he's got at least three children. He may have four. And, you know, just running home real quick to the kids in Corvallis is a little bit easier than running home to the kids in Seattle where, you know, he can get there real quick. And I saw a thing. He was out trick-or-treating with the kids, and they knocked on Mike Riley's door. So that was kind of interesting. But he's a good family man, and I think it's a really good hire for Oregon State despite all the limited resources you're going to have there. But as Chris Peterson says, it's about us. And is this team going to be able to rebound? We had a chance to talk to players, coaches, Chris Peterson twice this week. What do you? What's your sense of just where this team is at right now, Chris? Well, I, I do think over the years that certainly Chris Peterson wouldn't be thrilled with having a, uh, you know, a, a, a short week and all that kind of stuff, especially going on the road. Um, you know, the, the, they didn't play a night game, so that's helpful. You know, Oregon State, yeah, they're coming home, but they played a night game at Arizona, so or a day game, sorry, but they but they played at Arizona, so that's not exactly ideal for them either. Uh, but I, I do think in this specific instance, especially when you pile on the idea that, okay, they lose against Oregon, tough game, they were ahead double digits, lose that game, and then they had to stew about it for a week during the bye week, and then they come back out, are ahead by double digits at home against Utah, lose that game, and now they've got the short week. I just think that if there was ever a time that that Chris Peterson needed something outside forces or what have you to really kind of push this thing in a positive way and push it forward, a short week will do it because I think he's got these guys' attention. If you you know listening to the players and coaches on Tuesday, they were I, I don't know if pissed off's the right term or or frustrated, but you got the sense that they were all on the same page in terms of yep, we want to get back out there right away because I feel like they've got some things that they need to prove to themselves got, more than anybody. Yeah, and Scott, I don't you know sometimes we've seen teams that haven't played hard. Chris Peterson's teams always seem to play hard. I think this is a big game for the defense. Jake Luton, you know, uh, from Marysville, one of the, uh, you, you know, he's a hometown kid. He's having a great year. You know, the Oregon State's definitely got some firepower in their offense. But I think this is going to be a real watershed game for the defense. They really need to step up because they haven't been great and they haven't played well for a while. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you talk about Jake Luton having a really good year. He's thrown 19 touchdowns and just one interception. He's thrown for almost 2,000 yards, completing over 60% of his passes. He was a guy who could run around a little bit too, but that isn't really what he does down there at Oregon State. He just sits back there and throws the ball around a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I got to believe that the defense really has to come out and have a good game because this one, you know, in my prediction – that that I put out uh, today, you know, earlier today, it's 
that I think this one's going to be higher scoring than a lot of people would want to believe it's going to be. But I, I really do think Washington's going to come out and be able to do something offensively, but defensively, they're going to have their hands full. I've said it a couple times already on the podcast with, with their running game and the fact that Oregon state can throw three or four guys at you in the secondary on a regular basis. And one of the top receivers in the conference is Isaiah Hodgkins. And Scott, I, I, should have asked you this earlier, but uh, Jake Luton is a guy that Washington sniffed a little bit. He is from Marysville. Tell a little bit, people a little bit about his journey. Yeah, to- so he's from Marysville, Pilchuck. He was on the same team that Austin Joyner was on, and um, they were actually a pretty good team back then. They ran more of a wing tee, but he did throw the ball a little bit more than a normal wing tee quarterback would throw the ball. And uh, he had an offer from the University of Washington as a preferred walk-on. And he had an offer from Idaho. Well, he took the offer to Idaho, headed over that way. Things didn't really work out over there. He went down to Ventura College, which is one of the top JUCO programs down there in Southern California. Then he ended up signing with Oregon State, and he's been there. Is this his third year there? I think it's his third year there. Um, Whatever it is, uh, he's had a really good really good time uh, at Oregon State. Granted, last year, yeah, I think he had some concussion issues and things like that, but uh, has really kind of come on this year in his senior year. I think one of the things that uh, Jonathan Smith did was challenge him and say, hey, you're our senior leader, our quarterback, and we need you to be as good as you can be. And he's come out and he's really performed really well in the first eight games of the season. And Scott, Jonathan Smith is a pretty good quarterback coach. Yeah, he was. He was a very good quarterback coach, and I don't think he was as bad of an offensive coordinator as some people want to want to say, you know, and especially with some of the issues that Washington's having right now. I think there's some people who were lamenting Jonathan Smith uh, leaving uh, now uh, because of the problems they've struggled with the past couple of years. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I always liked Jonathan Smith. He was always good to us, always talked to us, and and uh, gave us good good stuff when we talked to him and everything like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I uh, as a, you know, if you're a Husky fan, you're not going to have a lot of happiness if he ends up beating the Huskies. But I, I don't know how you could ever root against Jonathan Smith. He's just such a quiet and unassuming guy. Scott, I mean, <laughs> get a little tongue-tied here. It's the coffee. Hey, Chris, how healthy is this offensive team right now? You know, I doubt we'll see Richard Newton. Sean McGrew's been banged up. Uh, Cam Davis, you know, the third, you know, the um, what is he, fourth string running back's got a cast on his hand. How healthy is this offense right now? Well, Chris Peterson was asked Monday and Wednesday about the running backs, and he totally claims that the running back depth is fine, and Cam Davis is practicing and can play apparently, and still don't know about the status of Newton, and it's clear that McGrew isn't 100%, but you know he did play against Utah, so that he must be available to to a certain extent. So, yeah, I mean they they certainly played the game against Utah like it was kind of Savon Ahmed and no one else because they they certainly at least if you look at the carries and the way they played a guy like Kamari Pleasant, they don't seem to trust him right now. Um, you know, fair or unfair, it seems like that's how things have worked out. Um, you know, I, I'd still just kind of wonder about a guy like Malik Braxton. I just, here's a guy who kind of fits the mold of a guy who who, who could probably do some things, especially against uh, a team like Oregon State that does give up some yards on the ground a little bit. And so I'm wondering if there's an availability there. But, you know, Cam Davis, is is, is he going to be an X factor? 
They they have some bodies available. Again, Chris Peterson says depth's not a problem. We'll obviously see tonight. Malik Braxton is a guy. Was he at Portland State, Chris? Western Oregon. Western Oregon, yeah. Western Oregon transferred in here, and he's a senior. But, you know, we saw, we've seen him in camp make some plays. I mean, he's not a scrub. He can make some plays. So, yeah, bringing him up, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he got a few carries. He's played this year. Yeah, and I, and I was kind of wondering if uh, if he was going to maybe do some things against Oregon, for instance, once we found out that obviously Newton wasn't going to be there, but then we also found out that Sean McGrew was, was going to be out as well. So is his time coming? We'll see. And we're still not sure if we're going to see Chico McClatcher. I saw him on the sidelines on Saturday. He looked fine. He wasn't in the boot that he walked off the field when he got hurt, but uh, it'll be interesting that if we could see uh, Chico come back because when he's right, he adds a whole other dimension to the offense. It just doesn't seem like he's been right most of the year, Chris. He's he's listed as a starter, Kim. And, yeah, I know a lot of fans will joke about the fact that they don't think Washington updates their, their two deeps officially, but they made three changes to this week's uh, to this week's two deeps. But Chico McClatcher's still listed as a starter. So who knows? Can he be unleashed and do some things and make some stuff happen? Obviously, we'll know in a number of hours here. One thing that I was actually really excited to see, I'm sorry to interrupt, Kim, but was that Marcus Spiker is listed in the two deeps, which that's one of the changes, right, Chris? Yeah, Marcus Spiker and then Jordan Chin. And then on defense, uh, Zion Tupola Fatui is in there instead of Miles Rice. Yeah, but Marcus Spiker left the game last week because he looked like he hurt his wrist or his hand or whatever it was. So it's good to see that he's back at least in the depth chart um, because he's a guy who I think can go up and get the ball. And he's been – you can see the confidence that he's starting to gain, in, especially that first pass that Jacob Eason threw to him in, in what was it, at least double coverage, if not triple coverage, that he came down with the ball in. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and it's going to be important, especially with Puka Nakua out for an indeterminate amount of time. They need another bigger guy to step up, and clearly uh, it's either going to be a guy – like Marcus Spiker or possibly Ty Jones. We'll see. It's going to be the, it's going be the to, time. It, it's going to be Ty Jones. He's going to see the field, and he'll be ahead of Marcus Spiker. Mark that down. I don't care if he's not on the depth chart or not. He warmed up. He's fully healthy. Um, I think he's been healthy for a while. It was his decision to redshirt. He can play the last four games. He's ready to go. I fully expect Ty Jones to be out there quite a bit, Scott. Well, and it, you know what? I, I think Washington can use anybody that they can out there. I, and why can't they use Marcus Spiker and Ty Jones? I mean, it's they're going to need all they can get. They're not getting a lot from Andre Bocellia when, when he's out there. And, and so you've got to get more from a guy like Marcus Spiker, a guy like Ty Jones, a guy like Austin Osborne, Terrell Bynum. That's one of the reasons we've seen Jordan Chin. That all those guys need to be coming in in waves, and, and Washington needs to make the most out of those guys. And it's frankly, be- I was going to say, Kim, real quick, as much as Washington will try to make some hay out of their shorter passing game, and they've obviously tried to do that this year, uh, they need to test this Oregon State defense down the field. I mean, they just need to throw the ball up to some of their bigger guys and see if they can make some plays, whether that's Ty Jones, Marcus Spiker, Hunter Bryant, Whoever, Kate Odden, doesn't matter. It's it's they need to go start going vertical on on some of these things to really kind of open up the entire field for for Jacob Eason because when things get tightened up around that line of scrimmage and he doesn't have an out, you know they they need to go down the field. It's just as simple as that. 
And Oregon's, you know, the strength of their defense is their front seven, but their strength doesn't, it's still not a great defense. And the weak part is definitely the secondary, but I still expect them to get a heavy dose of the run because Washington's offensive line, they need to get going. And I think this is the week that they can really get going and then start the play action. I expect a big offensive game um, out of the Washington offense this week, Scott. Yeah, I do too. I absolutely expect that. And I think you will see a heavy dose of the run game. But I do think, as Chris said, they're going to go down the field a little bit more and try and stretch it. I'll, I will be shocked if we don't see about a 50-50 split between pass and run. Hey, Chris, have we seen Jacob Kaiser other than the one game this year? Yeah, he no, played last play, week. He's, yeah, he's played the last few games. Okay, so no chance of – I didn't notice him on the participation chart. Um, out of the question for him redshirting then? Yeah, as far as I know, I don't think I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he's, he's on played, a redshirt track. Has he played four games though? I don't think he's played the, four. I, I don't think he's part. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's participated in four games. So technically, he probably could, but I don't. Like Chris said, I don't think that's the track they're going. I think they want him to play this he, year. He's played in four games. He oh, missed okay. the first five, so he's played. So theoretically, could he just sit out the rest of the year? Potentially, but I'm not sure they're in that kind of situation right now. Yeah, I think Jacob Kaiser is probably their best blocking tight end, and then the way they use their tight ends all over the field is a they use them as a left tackle, a right tackle, as a fullback. You know, they use them in motion, but uh, you know, getting Jacob Kaiser back full strength as that blocking tight end, I think, could be huge for the running game as well. Well, I was going to say too, Kim. You know, this is a kid that played at West Salem High School, so if there's going to be a homecoming type game for him, this is the game. I I gotta I gotta imagine he's gonna be playing in front of a lot of friends and family. He's gonna want to show out tonight. Offensive line, Scott. I talked about you know this is the time for them to get going. Um, you know they've got a lot of experience and a lot of depth on that offensive line. This is the week where I think they can really show up. Yeah, absolutely, they could. They Oregon State is not very good against the run, and Washington can. I mean, they're they're better against the run than they are against the pass, but they're still not very good against the run either. So um, this is where Washington can make some hay, and and they've got to rely on guys like Trey Adams and and Jared Hilbers and Nick Harris, who are your three seniors along the offensive line, and then you've got two really good guards and, and experienced guards in in Jackson Kirkland and. And Luke Wattenberg, and then you know, I, I'd like to see Henry Bainavalu get some reps. I'd like to see Henry Roberts get some reps. You know, where are these guys? We need to get them out on the field. Need to get MJ Ale out on the field. A lot of these guys need to get some reps this week, and and uh, would like to see Washington get out and do a lead, and when they can play some of these younger guys. And both of you guys, you know, I talked to Chris Peterson earlier this week with three regular season games plus a bowl game more than likely left on the schedule. This is a good chance to maybe see some guys that we haven't seen see the field yet without having to worry about burning their red shirts. I mentioned Jacob Bandis is a guy that I expect to see along the defensive line. Is there anybody else that you guys think that we could see that we haven't seen before because they don't have to worry about the red shirt? Well, no. Daniel Haymuli is one guy I think who might see. The linebacker. Yeah, that, that's one. Yeah, I just I, I, I kind of wonder. I mean, he was obviously you asked him the question, Kim, and I, I just think when he says that they're probably pretty good on the guys that have been playing and, you know, yes, they can they can play their games and whatnot. It, it was weird to me last year that they didn't try to max out four games with all the, the freshmen, the true freshmen. 
I mean, you look at a guy like a, a Sam Taimani or a Thule, Latui Gasanoa, I mean, you would have thought, considering the number of games that they've already played this year, that they would have played four games last year, but they didn't. I think they may have played four games combined last year. So I, I'm not sure they have still have a full handle on how they want to do this thing. And I think also some of these guys just aren't maybe up to the progression where you would just assume they could get thrown into these things and it would be okay. Because you they still have to put in the players, put them in a position to be successful. There might be some of these guys where they're just like, hey, we're good. Let's just stick to practice. Let's just stick to doing what you're doing on the service teams and go from there. So I, I kind of wonder if we're going to see a lot of new faces, especially with how important this game is. This game is vital for Washington because they've got to get bowl eligible. Those 15 practices at the end of the season are absolutely essential, and they can't screw this one up. So, yeah, I, I understand the argument for doing it. We'll just see how many guys are truly ready to be guys that can come in and make an impact. Yeah, I think Tuatele is another guy that we possibly could see. And Scott, one of my favorite guys who I, I just think is going to be just a standout player at University of Washington. I just don't know how healthy he is and he's ready to go. But Mickey Ayu, the linebacker, brings you know that Ben Burkirvan type game with that speed and ferociousness with the hit. But that's a guy I'd love to see. But like I said... He was hurt, and I don't know how healthy he is. Yeah, he was. He tore his knee a little over a year ago, and so, you know, a lot of guys come back right about a year, and that's when they're kind of ready to go. So maybe physically he might be ready to go, but is he ready mentally? Is he ready to pick up the defense since he hasn't? I mean, he's probably done done some mental reps and maybe some stuff at, you know, quarter speed or whatever, but uh, hasn't done a lot of full speed stuff, and it's been almost a year since he took a hit. So. I think the coaches, like Chris said, I think they're just going to make sure, hey, if a guy isn't ready to go, if they can't handle things, then we're not going to throw them out there to the Wolves. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing Mickey Ayu, but, you know, it's a lot of it's going to depend on on how healthy he is and if he's ready to go mentally. And, Anybody and just else? To, Kim, just to add to that real quick, we talk about the idea of Ty Jones telling the coaches he wanted a red shirt. There could be a lot of these true freshmen that have told the coaches, you know what, we're we're good. We're we need to get bigger, faster, stronger. We don't necessarily need to see the field right now. So, you know, when you talk about a guy like Mickey Ayu or you talk about a guy like Daniel Haymuli at the linebacker position, certainly MJ Tafisi's health plays a lot into this. He didn't play obviously against Utah. So who did we see? We saw more of Edifuan Ulafosio, the walk on redshirt freshman and he actually played pretty well so I think when it comes down to do you want to see the true freshman who you know is arguably more talented more stars higher rated poly bowl MVP all that kind of stuff yeah the future looks fantastic with a guy like Daniel Haymuli but is the future right now for a guy like Ulafosio I, I have a feeling that when it comes down to it if they need backup linebackers right now they're going to play the walk-on as opposed to a guy like Haymuli also, just stopping Jake Luton this week, I think, is going to be huge. Will they be able to get the pass rush? Will the uh, corners be able to shut them down? And the other thing is, I asked Jimmy Lake about, you know, playing a little bit, maybe if he's playing a little bit softer zone this year than he has previously, and he wasn't having any of that. Are they going to be able to stop Jake Luton, get some pass rush on him, and, you know, shut him down, Scott? Well, you'd like to think they could, but, you know, it. <laughs> 
the way that Jake Luton is getting the ball out real quick and, and being really efficient in their passing game at this point, I I still don't see them being able to do very much against something like that. 15-yard drops and Jake Luton dumping it off for 10, right? Yeah, it could be. That could be what you end up seeing. All right. Uh, Chris Fetters, final thoughts? Well, just in terms of that, I think we saw a lot of great work from guys like Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman in the first half against Utah. They just Utah made some adjustments and came out and started running the ball again. I think the run game is the key for Oregon State. And again, you know, when you talk about running the ball, stopping the run, Obviously, that's essential for Washington as well. So that line of scrimmage, that's where it's going to be done. And I think Washington has shown the last couple of games they can they can make things difficult for the quarterback. They just need to, again, be consistent, and they have to find a way to finish games. I mean, this is just what what's happened in the last two weeks. Is it just a function of playing top 10 teams, guys that are clearly the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 right now in Utah and Oregon? Is that, or are we starting to see a trend? Obviously, tonight we're going to find out really quickly, especially on defense, if this is a trend and the defense just isn't flat out, just isn't as good as they've have, they have been in the years past. And offensively, they've got to establish the run game and establish some semblance of drives because third down has been just brutal this year for Washington. They need to change that in a hurry. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund going into the Oregon State game. Uh, I echo everything that Chris said and, and just this team needs to get some confidence back and, and there's a team that they're facing that's very confident. This is not going to be an easy game for the Huskies. I still think they're going to come out winners and I still think it's going to be a relatively comfortable win, but it's not going to be comfortable for the fan base for a long time. I think it's going to take a little while before Washington is able to totally pull away. But I think Washington gets the win in this one, and they get bowl eligible. But more than anything, they just get some – they get back on the winning track, and, and they really kind of needed it before they head into this this bye week coming up and then those final two games against Colorado on the road and Washington State at home. Three regular season games left. It seems like football season just started. God, it's flown by fast. So uh, 7.30 kickoff and – Kind of disappointed, you know, with, you know, I really want to watch the Baylor basketball game, but we'll be busy with all the pregame stuff. Don't miss the basketball game. That's a 630 tip off. I think it's on ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But double check that. But uh, basketball team is going to be really special. And then they come home, have a game against St. Mary's. It's not the regular St. Mary's. What is it? Mount Mount St. Mary's. Mount St. Mary's on Tuesday. And then they head out again to play on next Saturday. Um, against Tennessee in Toronto. So next Saturday with the bye week coming up, I think that's a 2 o'clock start here. So uh, you won't get your football fix with UW football, but you get your basketball fix. So um, five-hour drive down to Corvallis. We're going to drive back up to Tigard after the game and head back Saturday. So looking forward to the road trip. So uh, just a reminder for all of you who are listening to this, if you're current subscribers to dogman.com, CBS All Access is included in your subscription. Just go ahead and activate that. And for the, if you haven't subscribed yet, like I said last night on the radio, you know, buy CBS All Access for your bride through dogman.com, and dogman.com comes with it for free. So if that works for all you cable cutters, Go for it. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 